Hello and welcome to the Glacier Valley Church of God. Today's podcast was recorded live on Sunday before a full church. If there's anything we can do to bless you, to pray for you, please contact us at 907-789-3605. Glacier Valley Church of God, a place of hope, a place of healing. Bless this moment as we hear from you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Last week, we talked about Moses and him receiving the call to ministry, the call to serve God, the call to be a deliverer. And what I've been sharing with you is that if you have given your life to the Lord, you are now called to serve him. There is no retirement date. Okay. There's no retirement date. Well, actually there is a retirement date. It's when we stop breathing and we're promoted to heaven. That's the retirement date. But if you're alive and you're breathing, then you have been given a calling to serve God and to minister to the saints. Amen. And, and see, here's the thing. We don't get a choice to pick our ministry. I want you to know that. We just can't say, well, I'm going to do this. No, God chooses that ministry for us. He's the one who calls us. He's the one, because there's been plenty of times, there's things that I wanted to do, and God let me do it, and I realized how miserable I was. Amen? He has a destiny for me. He has a destiny for you. He has called you to do something, just like he called Moses. And we talked about this last week, how Moses received that call from the Lord. And what a call it was to free a whole nation from slavery. Free a whole nation from slavery. We think that's pretty amazing. Right? As a matter of fact, the, the Hebrews celebrate that freedom every year with the, the festival of Passover. That's how they celebrate it. Every year when they have Passover, they're celebrating what happened a long time ago, almost 5,000 years ago, when the Hebrews were freed from slavery. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you this morning, outside of this church, there are people who are in bondage. There are people who are in slavery to the things of this world, be it drugs, be it alcohol, be it lust, be it pride, be it rebellion. They are in slavery this morning, and it is up to us, not me, not only me, but all of us in this room to help free them from that bondage. Amen? Praise God. I love the story of Robert when he talks about it. If you want to hear a testimony, talk to Robert, okay? Let him share with you his testimony because he shared it with me. And God has delivered this man from amazing things. God has delivered Randy and Helen from amazing things. He's delivered Skylar. He's delivered RJ. He's delivered my wife. He's delivered me. He's delivered Janice. I mean, I could go around this room about what God has done in our lives. Now it is our responsibility to take what God has done in us and take it out to a dying world. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I know maybe you come in here today and you feel a little beat up. You feel tired. Man, Christmas time is kind of hard, isn't it? Anybody wake up in the middle of the night and says, oh, man, I forgot to buy a gift for somebody. And I got to order it from Amazon. It'll never get here. I love ordering from Amazon here in Alaska. Because you know what you get? We don't ship to outside the United States. <laughs> I take a map and I take a picture and I send it to them. We are the United States, 
right? But they don't, they don't care. <laughs> what are they going to do? I, I had something I was trying to get shipped to me, and they said they don't ship outside of the United States. And I said, Alaska is part of the United States. Oh, I mean, we don't have it is what I meant. Oh, whatever. You get stressed out about the holidays, and you have to go, you have to be around family that maybe you don't want to be around, or friends you don't maybe want to be around, because maybe oh, there's some other issues there. And it's just stressful. And then on top of all that, this time of year, this time of year, there's a lot of darkness, right? I mean, it's around 5 o'clock, and it feels like it's bedtime. It's just so dark, isn't it? December 21st, we're still, what, nine days away from that? And it feels like perpetual. And on top of all that, it snowed, and it's snowpocalypse here in Juneau. I'm getting nasty notes from my postman. If you don't clean out your post or clean out the area of your post office box, I'm going to be really upset. That's what he wrote me a note. I wrote back, tell the city. He wrote back, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> I called the city. And then you know, you know what they said? Wow, that's too bad. <laughs> and so, I, and then every time I shovel my driveway, they come by and they dump more snow into my driveway for me. Isn't that nice of them? And so it's stressful. I come home and I'm like, ah, and I'm yelling and screaming. And people are saying, aren't you a pastor? Yes, I'm praying. <laughs> I'm praying I don't kill somebody right now. <laughs> And the, the snowplow came by, and I wanted to jump out in front of him and tell him to stop, but I was afraid he'd kill me, so I didn't do it. Right? And they come out here, and they, they dump the snow in front of the driveway here, and some guy, and Dave was with me when he did, some guy in a truck came out from plowing, and I ran out of the building. The guy thought I was going to kill him or something. And I said, thank you, God bless you. And he's like, okay. <laughs> I was like, praise God, you just saved my back. And he's like, sure, mister. <laughs> And Dave's like, Pastor, you're losing it. <laughs> so I, was, I thought I was going to have to do what I always do is call Will to come shovel it. Because <laughs> I'm not going to do it. He's younger than I am. He could handle it, right? I would say he's stronger than me, but then he gets all big-headed when I say that. Plus, he's a Steelers fan, and I don't want him to feel good today. It gets stressful this time of year, Right? All the things that you got to do and, and, and all those things. And the whole purpose of this year is, is to be full of joy. But we're not very joyous sometimes. I'm not joyous because I'm losing my son to go down south and go to college. And we're doing that right after Christmas. And that's kind of, that's very sad for my wife and I. I mean, I know I'll talk about I'm going to have more food in the house now. Because if, if I put food in the refrigerator and I put my name on it, it's still fair game to him. He says, it's fine, it's his. I'm going to save money on coffee creamer because he puts that much coffee creamer in his coffee. And it's the expensive kind. I'm going to save money on lights because he doesn't know how to turn off lights. Ever. I'm going to save money on a lot of things, but I'm going to miss them. Now, some of you, your kids have left. You're like, get over it, Pastor. It's not a big deal. But it's, it's new to us, and it's, it's fresh for us. And my wife and I were thinking on the way back from Georgia, it's going to be a very long, sad trip. And so it's supposed to be a time of joy and excitement. But for sometimes, and sometimes during the holidays, we're reminded of people that we've lost. And that's really tough, because for some of you, this is your first major holiday with that person no longer here. 
and, and you're struggling with that, and it hurts. But I'm going to tell you, there is joy in the house of the Lord today. You can find your joy again, amen? And so, I know, I know you've come in, and I know you're hurting. I know you're struggling. But I want you to know that God has chosen you. He's called you, and this is what he says. 1 Peter chapter 2, 9. But you are, I want you to point at yourself, you, everybody, point at yourself, okay? Point at yourself. You are a chosen generation. In other words, God looked over all of Juno and he picked you. He chose you. That's pretty cool if you ask me. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, the whole purpose of you being alive and being saved is to proclaim him. Amen? Are you with me? That's your job. That's my job, is to talk about him. See, when I, when I first met my wife, I would tell everybody that I met, I don't care if they were strangers or not, I would tell them about my wife because I was excited. I met her. She was beautiful. She is beautiful. I almost got in trouble there, didn't I? Amen? And, and I love being with her. And when, my, when we found out that we were having a baby, my son, we got the little picture of him. You know what I'm talking about in the sonogram? He looked like a little peanut. And I was going around showing everybody. I said, this is my boy right here. This is my boy. You want to see him? I don't care who they were. We were over in Germany. I didn't care if they spoke English. I said, this is my son. He looks like me, doesn't he? I didn't care. I was telling everybody. I was on the train. People didn't understand English. This is my son. Right? That's what dads do. Right? It's my son. It's my boy. It's my boy. I have a boy. I have a son. He's coming. It's him. Right? Because we're excited about it. We're, we're all like, like oh, I'm having a child. I'm having a kid. Man, if we feel that way about things that have happened in our lives, how much more can we not proclaim the gospel of Jesus? Amen? we got to tell everybody. If you've ever spent any time around Richard, if you ever go out to dinner with Richard, the first thing he does is tell the waitress or the waiter that Jesus loves them. And it's funny because you know he does it a lot because sometimes they finish his story for him. Yeah, I know, Jesus loves me. But you can, but you can tell, you can tell that it penetrates the heart, amen? We got to tell everybody, we got to proclaim to the world because they're trying to destroy Christianity right now. They're trying to say it's no good. They're trying to say that it's taken all of the hope of the world and Christianity is bad. There is no hope in government. The only hope we have today is Jesus and him crucified and risen again. That is our hope today is Jesus. Amen. And God has ordained you to deliver that message. See, there's people in your life that I can't reach. They're not going to talk to me. They don't know me. You notice the way some of the kids who came up here, they were kind of nervous with me because they didn't really know. Kids are, kids are amazing because they will tell you how they feel, right? 
They will tell you how they feel. They will not be bashful. And they'll be bashful with you. And parents, I will tell you, if your child doesn't know whatever, hug me, I'm okay with that. Listen, I want them to hug me because they want to hug me, okay? Listen, listen let the kid be a kid. Let them do what they, what they want to do in that area, okay? But kids are, kids are like that. And the people that you know, they don't know me. They don't know who I am. They're going to be hesitant around me, but around you, they're comfortable, amen? And what a great way to say to them, hey, I just want you to know one more time, Jesus loves you. Why don't you come to church with me? I'll save a spot with you. We need to go to church together. You need to hear one more time that God loves you, amen? You need to hear one more time that, that God is going to give you grace and he wants to lift you up. Let me pray with you. Let me be that light to you. Let me bless you. Let me do whatever I can. Let me save you from that burning fire. Amen. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, that God has definitively called you. But here's what happens. Sometimes we receive the grace from God. We receive the calling from God. And he's given us everything, but we want to hold on to that part of the world. He's, he's saying, here is all the riches. Here is the benefit of my grace. Here is a lifestyle of victory that you can have. But we say, that's great, God, but I'm going to keep one foot over here just in case, don't we? I've seen people who have been Christians for years still have one foot in the world. They still have one foot just in case, or, or maybe they don't want to give up that lifestyle. Maybe there's something that they just really enjoy doing, and then what they've done, they've justified it. Amen. It's okay, God doesn't mind. God doesn't, God doesn't really care about that little sin in my life. I'm gonna, those of you who have been saved for a long time, does God care about a little sin in your life? Does God, is God pleased with that sin in your life? No, God's like, I see it. And, you know, when I was a kid, I used to think that I would do things that my parents wouldn't know about it. And then years later, we would sit down and have a conversation. I said, did you know I did this? And they look at me and they say, yeah, we knew about that. How did you know? And my mom always had the, the famous saying that she said, she goes, because I'm your mother. I know all, I see all, I am all. When our kids were growing up, I, I convinced them when they were little that Jenny actually had eyes in the back of her head. I told them that and I forgot to tell them that I was lying. And so one day my daughter went up behind her and started looking through her hair. <laughs> and I felt bad for a while. And she says, I don't see any eyes. I said, that's because they're closed. <laughs> you won't believe how much trouble I got in over that. <laughs> see, God sees the things that we do, no matter how justified you make it. I'm going to tell you today, and I'm not going to gloss over that. I'm not here to hurt your feelings. I'm not here to make you feel bad. But sin is sin. And God does not accept sin. Okay? Well, pastor, it's not in the Bible. All right, let's, 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 let's get to that right quick. 
know what the Bible says about sin? Because the Bible's not going to list every sin because there may be some sin for you that's not for me. Let me explain. If you had a problem gambling and if you play with a deck of cards and it causes you to be tempted, that becomes sin for you, right? But for me, cards are not a sin because I don't struggle with gambling. You understand that? There's sometimes, but there's some sins that are universal. Like we don't sleep around. We don't, we don't do sex outside of marriage. That is obviously a sin. But God treats us differently. And so when we sin, the Bible says, if you know to do what's right and you don't do it, that's sin. And there's always something in our heart, right when we're about ready to do something, there's always something in our heart that says, don't do that, right? There's always something that says, don't do that. And then when you do it, you're like, oh man, I shouldn't have did that. That's sin, right? We understand that? Are we clear on that? Sin means that you have rebelled against God. When you were a kid and you rebelled against your mom and your dad or your grandparents, what happened to you? Well, if you were like in my house, you got beat to death, right? Well, not to death, half to death, right? And, and you got in trouble, you got restriction. My, my parents took away uh, some of my games that I like to play with. They took things away from me, and, and I thought, how could you? We took my uh, son's Wi-Fi away from him one time, and I thought that was going to kill him. And, and we take things, and the same thing with God, when we sin, he takes things from us, and, and we live, we got to get away from this. So I want you to understand that we have to get away from sin, amen? But you can't want to serve God and be called of God and still sin. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to mess up sometimes. Everybody messes up. But I'm talking about keeping that one foot in the world. You've got to come out of the world. You've got to come out of the world. And what that means to you may be different than what it means to me. But you've got to come out of the world. You've got to stop doing worldly things. We're going to talk about Moses for a second. Moses, right after he was called from God, he was going on his way to Egypt to do what God told him to do. And something amazing happened. Exodus chapter 4, verses 24 through 26. And it came to pass on the way at the encampment that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Now, wait a minute. Didn't God just appear in a burning bush and call Moses and say, I've called you to be a deliverer. I want you to go do this for me. And now all of a sudden, God wants to kill Moses? Has anybody ever read this scripture and been confused by it? I want to try to explain it to you. Zipporah, which is Moses' wife, took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, Surely you are a husband of blood to me. So he let him go, meaning God let him go. Then she said, You are a husband of blood because of the circumcision. So let me explain what that means. See, Moses, even though he was raised in the Egyptian household, even though he was raised under the Pharaoh, he still knew what it meant to be a Hebrew. He still knew what it meant to keep the customs and the traditions and the commandments of God. Now, God instructed Abraham that every male in your household needs to be circumcised. He knew that was supposed to happen, and Moses did not do that to his son. In other words, 
He didn't follow what God had ordained in the life of the Hebrews. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. He knew he was supposed to do it, but he didn't do it, whether out of convenience, whether out of rebellion, I don't know. But the reality is he wasn't prepared to serve God with the heart that he needed to serve God with. Brothers and sisters, I see this so many times in the house of God. People receive the call. They want to go out and they want to do things for the Lord. And the God says, but you still have this in your heart that you have not given to me. You still are dealing with this. And what happens is we go out and we serve God. And you know what happens? We get hurt. We get hurt. And we leave the church and we blame everybody. We blame the pastor. We blame the elders, we blame God, we blame everybody but ourselves because we don't want to give up our lifestyle. We don't want to give up those things that we know we should give up. We want to hang on to it. My question today is, brothers and sisters, why do we hang on to the world when the world is going to bring us death? The world is going to bring us destruction. The world is going to bring us shame and hurt. With God, you have peace and joy and love and life everlasting. Amen? You don't need that stuff anymore. Pastor, I just like to have a little sip of alcohol. Listen, you don't need any of that. The Bible says be sober, be vigilant. Be sober. Being sober means something, amen? Being sober means something. Being sober means something, amen? The Bible says, come away, be separate, be different. And if you try to do things and your heart is not right, you will fail every time. And not only will you fail, but you'll bring pain and trauma and hurt to those that you love. Come on. There's been so many times in my life that I was thought I was ready to serve God, but there was things that I was holding to. You know who paid the price? My family. They paid the price for my disobedience, not me. I mean, I paid the price watching them suffer. That's why you see, hear me, okay? I'm not saying this is every time, but that's why you see a lot of ministers' kids not serving the Lord because of what they've been through. We need to pray for our pastor's kids in this state because of what they go through as being pastor's kids. People think that they have fun, that there's no problems, but being a pastor's kid is tough. They'll go through things that, that no one understands. They have to watch their dad get beat down for no reason. They have to watch their dad hear people who say things and do things, and it's hard for them. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about my kids. I'm talking about pastor's kids in general. Brothers and sisters, if we don't get our hearts right with God and step away from that sin, the things that we know to do right. This is really heavy on my heart this morning because if we're going to become the church that God has destined us to be, then we have got to have a heart of repentance. Amen? Amen. Notice I didn't say never sin again because that's impossible. We're all going to sin, okay? We're all going to mess up. You may say a bad word one time because you're frustrated. You ever hit your thumb with a hammer? If you don't say something, you're a better person than I am. All right? Because that hurts, doesn't it? 
That's why my wife doesn't let me use power tools anymore. She says, I don't like what you say when that happens. We're all going to mess up sometimes. We're all going to do things that we're not supposed to do. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about people who have been coming to church for a long time and are still doing the things that they know they're not supposed to do. You know, we, we got to somehow change what church means. The church is not just a place you come to check off being here. Amen? The church... The church is not a place that you come to get off God's naughty list. Okay? Get, are you hearing me this morning? The church is not somewhere you come to satisfy your conscience that you're a good person. The church is not somewhere you come just so you can see people that you know. The church is a battle station where I'm trying to get you ready to go out into the world and face the devil himself and win. Amen? To win! To win! See, I want you to come in here and say, listen, I realize I got this thing in my life. Whoa, I didn't mean to do that. Try that again. <laughs> I don't, what was I saying? I don't even remember what I was saying now. I'll make it up. So I don't want you to come in here and just, just sit here and not be changed, amen? And too many people are coming to the church and they're not being changed. And I'm telling you, if you come in here and you're not being changed, something's wrong. Either it's wrong with me or it's wrong with you or there's no God. Come on. There's no God if that's the case. Now, I believe there's a God, don't you? Now, don't get freaked out on me. Well, he just said there's no God. No, I didn't say that. If we're not being changed, then something's wrong with me. I'm not anointed, or something's wrong with you. You're not receiving, amen? Because there is a God in heaven. He wants to free you from that sin. God wants to deliver you, and he doesn't want you to sin because, well, let's be honest, sin brings pain, doesn't it? You watch television, and there's all this free sex. Oh, I can just do whatever I want. They never show what happens when people get Disease. They never show when people get pregnant. It is amazing to me what, as a country, the, the discussions we're having right now, people are legitimately, not legitimately, they're, I'm trying to say they're really upset. They're angry that people are putting limits on abortion. How dare they not give women a right to protect their health? Okay, how about the baby? Can we talk about the baby for a moment? Oh, that's just a clump of cells. No, that is a life. That is from God. Amen? Listen, we, we need to pray for the women. That they get. Listen, no one can convince me that abortion is not something out of convenience and really for the mother's health. It is a matter of convenience. Now, if you've had an abortion, listen, we still love you. We, God is here to forgive. We'll embrace you. We're not here to judge you. But let's be real. Abortion is for convenience. It's not about the health of the mother. It's not about any other thing than getting rid of something that you don't want. We are living in a sinful nation, amen? And that's why we, as a church, need to walk in the light, amen? You can't walk in the darkness anymore. 
Because the same God that judges the sin of this world will now judge you. And the Bible says judgment begins at the house of God. Amen? Amen. Judgment begins here. In other words, before God goes out and judges anybody else, he's going to look at us. He's going to look at me. He's going to look at you. Because he wants his bride to be pure and spotless and white. Radiant and white. I remember when my wife was at the back door. You know, it was really awesome because I was waiting there and I was really nervous. And they opened the doors in dramatic fashion and she stepped out. And man, she was just so beautiful. Radiant. She was just glowing. And her, her dad was trying to slow her down. She goes, oh no, I'm hurting getting up there. I want to be with him. She said, Dad, step it up. Come on. <laughs> that really happened. <laughs> but I remember her walking down the aisle, and I just started crying because I thought, man, I have definitely married up. And I still feel that way. I have married up. And this woman, you have no idea how amazing she is. And I know every man feels that way, Okay. We men, we feel that way about our lives, or at least we should. But the same way that I look at my wife, Jesus looks at the church. He wants no imperfection in us. He wants no flaws in us. And he's working to do that now. So when I share with you this morning, and I'm only getting halfway through the sermon, I'm going to save the rest of it for next week. Because God's about ready to do a great deliverance in this city because of you. Because of you. In the past two weeks, 22 people have come to Jesus. 22 people have come to Jesus. Amen? Today, we baptized, was it six? Is that right? Five or six? I don't even, I lost count. Six, isn't that great? We, we're, about, we're, doing, we're being a New Testament church, amen? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? But imagine if all of us made the decision today in this house. I'm not talking about being perfect, but we made the decision, I'm going to put away those things of the world in my life. I'm going to put away the things that I know that I should put away. For some of you, and maybe, maybe it's video games. Maybe video games have taken over your life, and you're, you're worshiping them by spending more time with them than with God. Maybe, maybe for some of you, it's social media. You're spending more time on social media. Maybe for some of you, it's your job. Maybe for some, it's gossip. I mean, I can go through a list of things, right? We all know what they are. I mean, we, we know. But when we become a church of repentance, now, in saying these things, I'm going to ask that there's no talking in the house of God, please. Thank you. Please be respectful. When you talk, other people hear it, and it distracts. Thank you. 
when you have a repentant heart, this is the message that God gave me. See all the snow out there? Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it amazing? I know none of us really like snow. <laughs> but isn't it amazing how snow makes everything look beautiful? It just kind of covers it. The Lord spoke to me this week as I was in prayer with you. You know what he told me? He says, my love and my grace will be like the snow. It will cover their sins. It will cover their imperfections. And it will make them beautiful. See, that's what I'm talking about. But that only happens when you give yourself to the Lord. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about committing to do what you know is right. Now, it's inevitable. I'm going to get someone coming up to me later and say, you know, I don't believe that that's a sin. Hey, that's between you and God. That's between you and God. I can argue with you, but I've learned that arguing doesn't work. There's going to be some things that are sinful for me that are not for you. There's some things that are sinful to everybody. You know what I struggle with? I struggle with pride. I'm just being candid with you. I struggle with pride. I struggle with thinking better of myself than I should. I struggle with wanting to control things instead of letting God do it. I struggle with doubting God sometimes. See how our sins going to be different? Because there's things that God has spoken to me that he may not have spoken to you. That's why Paul said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. When you came to this church, and you got saved, you had a burning bush moment. God became real to you. God became real to you. Now it's time. It's time to commit to him. No more excuses. Yesterday, a tornado, unheard of tornado, swept through four states. The last count is over 100 people have been killed. People were just working. Has anybody ever been in a tornado? I've been in one. They're horrible. They're horrible. The sound, it, could just, it, it can really scare you. People were just working. And then they were dead. Brothers and sisters, you don't know what's going to happen the moment you walk out the store. You don't know. Pastor, you're trying to scare me. Whatever works. Amen? Please, again, I'm asking, no talking in the house of God. I am trying to scare you because I want you to understand the seriousness of this moment. We have to have heart, repentance. When I offend my wife, I don't look at her and say, well, you just need to get over it. You just, something's wrong with you. That would be very bad for me, wouldn't it? I tell her I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I did, and I'm sorry for offending her. When, when I offend a brother, 
or a sister, I go up and I say, I'm sorry for offending you and I'm sorry for what I've done because we have to have that heart of forgiveness. Let the Lord, let the Lord cover you with his snow today. Oh, praise God. Let him cover you with his grace today. Are you hearing what I'm saying about the grace? And the great thing about when he covers you, it doesn't melt away. You don't have to shovel it. Okay? It's, it's incredible. Let him cover you today. Let him speak into your life. Get off the fence and serve God. Serve God. Stop making excuses and serve God. I don't care if you hate me. I mean, I care, but it doesn't impact how you serve God. I don't care if you hate anybody. The point I'm trying to make is we need to serve God. I met with a pastor, and I'm closing here. If you can put on some music. I know I'm totally off my sermon here. I met with a pastor this week, and, and, and his heart and my heart were together. And we were talking about the need for pastors to get together and be unified. Despite some of our differences, we need to be unified. He agreed with me on that. We were together. It was powerful. And he spoke to me and he said something to me that resonates with me. He was, he's older than I am. So, and he's been here a long time. I'm not going to say who it is. But he said, he said, Keith, we are the elders of Juno. And it's our responsibilities to set the spiritual tone of this town. Amen? And I agree with him, but I also say it's our responsibility to set the spiritual tone of this town. Amen? If you are walking around talking about people, If you're walking around, going to bars, doing things that you know you shouldn't do. If you yell at a cashier, treat retail workers like garbage. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that's just wrong. Retail workers need our love right now. I always love to tell them a good dad joke. They appreciate it. Not really, but still. We need to be the ones to express hope and joy. And if someone tells me happy holidays, I look at them and I smile and I say, you know, Merry Christmas. Not to be a jerk about it, but I just say Merry Christmas. I don't want them taking Jesus out of my holiday, but I'm not going to beat it down their throat. I'm going to love on them. I'm going to make sure the cow was talking to a cashier yesterday at Safeway. And she was talking about how people treat her and they come in and they're mean and they're rude because of the virus. And I looked at her and I said, you are doing an awesome job and I appreciate you. And I'm not, I'm not saying that for my edification. I just want you to know how important it is that people hear that. Especially now. We need to be a heart, a church that has a heart of repentance. Would you stand with me, please?
Thank you for listening to our service. Be sure to catch the video edition of this on either YouTube or Facebook Live. Again, if you need prayer, contact us at 907-789-3605. May God richly bless you in all things.